You're listening to Leah and Alana watch The X-Files. Leah's seen it. Alana hasn't. I'm Leah. I'm Alana. Should we start with, like, some opening chit-chat? <laughs> Should we just repeat what we said over the last 40 minutes? <laughs> yeah. Um, We're like, you guys remember Kofifi? (laughs) (laughs) I'm sure they do. Everybody remembers it. (laughs) I did think that I should probably give an update to everybody because we've been talking a lot about how, you know, if we started talking about ghosts and like thinking about ghosts, like would those things like manifest in our life? Are we opening ourselves to them? Yeah. And I just want to say that I now believe that maybe there's a ghost in my apartment. Please say more. Okay. Well, these are, maybe they're small things that people are going to think I'm crazy when I say, but a couple weeks ago I was home alone and I came out to the kitchen at night after having not been in the kitchen for a while. And even when I was in the kitchen, I hadn't really like done anything when I was in there last but I came out and my faucet was running and I didn't have any memory of turning it on had no uh recall of why I would have turned it on there was nothing like in the sink that would have spoken to why I turned it on uh so it was a mystery as to why it was on and apparently running for hours maybe who knows how long it was running for yeah so that was weird And then the other night, uh, about a week ago, I have a mirror in my bathroom and above the mirror is kind of like, like, um, lights as if the mirror was like a vanity. They're kind of like, uh, at eye level. They're not like in the ceiling, they're on the wall and there's like a whole row of them and, uh, nobody was in the bathroom. Um, the light was not on in the bathroom. There was no light on in the bathroom and uh, my roommate and I heard something break, and we were like, whoa, what's that? And we looked around, and in the bathroom, one of the light bulbs had exploded. Just a, a light bulb that was not on, just, just exploded. Just an explosion. I think that that's like 100% a ghost. Like, I don't know if I'm supposed to play the skeptic here, but we don't really uh, work that way. Uh, <laughs> because that to me like i think i i think if it was just the faucet i'd be like that's weird but i don't know maybe you did forget or maybe like your faucet's leaking i don't know you could come up with something but like the light bulb on top of the faucet i think honestly if you told me the light bulb alone i'd still believe it but like the faucet just like really adds to it for me personally I'm saying this like this is like a story you made up, but like, I'm like, this is really (laughs) believable. So next time you do it, I would add in just one more element because I think that like if you have three, it really drives the point home. (laughs) I do actually have a third, which is not something that I witnessed and kind of forgot about, but I um, was staying in a cabin and my roommate was watching my dog. And while I was there, she had texted me during that week and been like, I think that there's a ghost in the apartment because Ripley, who is my dog, was just like staring at uh, an empty hallway and barking and Ripley never does that. Uh, Mm. And like my roommate couldn't hear anything. There wasn't like any noises. There wasn't anybody like walking around the building. Like there was no reason for Ripley to be barking. And my roommate was like, I think there's maybe a ghost. Uh, and that was the first thing to happen. And then, like, weeks later, mm-hmm. the faucet and the light bulb uh, mm-hmm. exploded. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, pets, pets always know before we do. They somehow have the ability. And she was trying to warn you guys. Um, yeah, well, I think great job adding a third element. Uh, I definitely believe it now. <laughs> Perfect. Um, I learned a ritual for spirit mm-hmm. communication that I oh haven't boy. done yet, mostly because I'm too scared to do it because you're supposed to do it between midnight and 3 a.m. Uh, and it just, like, normally it, I'm too tired at that time. Yeah. And I'm like, well, 
if I do it, it's going to take a while. But then also if I'm scared afterwards, I'm not going to be able to go to sleep. Yeah. That's in, but, uh, why, why is it that timeline? Um, if that's just supposed to be like the most like opportune time to really like connect, mm. I think probably because it's dark, it's quiet, like you're alone, you know, sure. all those things. I want you to make sure to keep us updated. Mostly me, but yeah, I guess it would be cool if, if we continued to, to let the listeners know as well. Yeah. Yeah. I'll let, I'll let y'all know if anything else happens. I've had um, no ghosts in my home um, or anywhere in my vicinity. So that's a real freaking bummer. Well, as we know, you are pretty diligent about turning all your lights on anytime you're anywhere. So maybe that's why. Maybe you need to embrace the darkness a bit more. I mean, I've gotten a little better. I've gotten a little better. Like, I'll come from my room and I won't turn the hallway light on and I'll just do the bathroom light, you know? So like, all right. It's, it's step by, but I'm not going to pee in the dark because it is so dark. It's so dark. I believe you. I believe it's that dark it's dark for peeing. I, I don't want to do it in the dark unless I am on some sort of outdoor camping adventure. I would like a light while I'm peeing. I think that's okay. I think that's fair. Thank you. I really appreciate that. Hey, speaking of darkness, this episode that we're talking about today is called Darkness Falls. Boom! Alana Alana kills it with the transitions. She can really tie everything together. Nailing the segues. So good. So good. Uh, yeah, episode 20, first of all, congratulations to you and to me. Um, we, this is the 20th time we have sat down in separate states and talked about a show from the 90s. This feels like it should be more uh, momentous because our 10th episode was a big deal, Mm -hmm. but it also feels like, and I guess, I guess it's kind of the same as, you know, like as you age, time starts to pass more quickly. I feel like (laughs) the first 10 episodes, uh, I, I don't know if it went slowly, but it it seemed to take up more time than these Mm -hmm. uh, second set of 10 episodes have taken. Well, we're in our groove now, you know. True. We've got a routine down. We, we're we killing it. So, I'm not good at segues, but... <laughs> but there are a lot of men. Um, in the beginning, it's just a bunch of men fighting, and I think that it's a very aggressive way to start an episode, and I just want to start by saying that. Yeah, I took note of basically the same thing. I I said that this episode starts with a bunch of men, which Mulder refers to as rugged, manly men in full bloom of their manhood, which yeah. is pretty great of him. And um, I just want to, like, jump in here immediately and say, and then he, like ask Scully to, like, pick out her boyfriend from this group or, like, something along those lines. He's very sassy in the start of this episode. Um, He is, and it feels like he is kind of, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Railing against maybe typical masculinity. Yeah. He is, but, like, I'm not really sure why. Like, does he feel like he doesn't – he's not seen as a manly man because he's spooky? Like – Yeah, I bet that that's true. That's and what it is. he's also pretty – as we've learned, pretty emotional, um, mm. pretty, you know, sensitive, interested in probably non-stereotypically manly things like aliens and ghosts and like uh, stuff like that. I mean, what is manlier than a ghost? 
a good question. <laughs> Come on. <laughs> but I also um, just like took note of this first scene, which is a group of 30, I, I guess, lumberjacks lost in the woods and they're arguing about how they're going to get out of the woods. And it seems like their conclusion that they come to is that they should all just run as fast as they can in <laughs> any direction. Uh, <laughs> yeah. It doesn't, <laughs> really, uh, it, it doesn't really give a good sense of, you know, men's decision-making skills. Yeah, I was so confused by the fact that, like, if they're trying to get out of the woods, like, they got themselves there, and you would think that they know at least the general direction of where they came from, like, why they all, like, scattered in different directions and just started running. I'm like, some of you are going deeper into the woods, guaranteed. Like, you are in the middle of the forest, and you're going to get, you're going to get even further, and you're going to be pretty upset by your decisions. It also seems like they're lost when we later learn that they have, like, a camp. They have, like, cabins and stuff that they were staying in. I don't mm -hmm. understand why in the opening scene they seem so confused as to where they are. Yeah, I want to assume that they're just so distraught over the fact that, like, something is you know, paralyzing them and putting them in cocoons. Like, I don't know how many of them this is this has happened to at this point, but clearly they've, they've seen something go down that they are uh, traumatized. And that would be my only uh, possible explanation or excuse for why these men are just so fucking stupid at the start of this. I mean, they all kind of died, so I guess maybe I shouldn't call them that, but you know, I call them like I see them. Yeah, I think they died for a reason, and it was because they were stupid. Yeah. Also, I guess they didn't know what was happening. Like, the bugs were killing them. Like, would not have been my first guess if I was out in the woods. Because these bugs aren't... Uh, they're very small bugs. They just, like, swarm and mm -hmm. overtake people. But they're very tiny, so I wouldn't expect tiny bugs to kill me either. But they can. So don't forget to fear bugs of all sizes. Oh, I do. And I was also thinking through this episode, like, death by bugs is mm. not really something that I've considered before, but definitely on the top of my list of ways I don't want to die. Oh, yeah. I would be. I mean, I'd be dead. So I guess I couldn't be pissed, but I'd be pissed. I'd be pissed from beyond the grave. I'm pissed just thinking about the possibility. Also, if that happened to you, I'd be pissed. Thank you. I would also be angry if it happened to you. Because it's like, not only are you dying, and I'm sure that it's painful, but also the whole time you have to be like, this is so gross. Why is this happening to yeah. me? It's so gross. This is gross. And it's got to just feel like kind of pathetic. Yeah. Just You're like, really? Bit. Bugs are taking me down right now? I, I kind of feel like I don't usually think bugs are going to kill me, but like, you know, typically when you see certain bugs uh, in your home, you kill them. And like, I know you're not killing them because you think they're going to kill you, but it's like a pretty extreme reaction that we take <laughs> for something that we actually don't feel threatened by. Yeah, I would argue that I do feel threatened by okay. a lot of bugs. But I guess, like, rationally, to your point, I know that they're not going to kill me. But when I see them, I feel very afraid of them. Yeah, that's fair. So I will say that this episode made me think of a uh, encounter that we had this summer. I think encounter is probably the best word for this occurrence. Um we went to a park and, uh, you know, we were having like a lovely, a lovely day in the park and all of a sudden out of the corner of my eye, I thought that like, I can't, I wish I could explain what I thought because rationally when I say it, it doesn't make sense, but I thought that there was like kind of like a little twig kind of hanging, but like mm -hmm. we were on the grass, like sitting or laying down. And the tree was 
was quite high above us and there's no way for a twig to be down there, but it looked like a little twig. And I thought, huh, that's weird. And then I like kept seeing it and kind of like turned to look at it. And there was uh, some creature that, I mean, it was the smallest thing you could ever see. I think it was probably like a centimeter, maybe two centimeters long and had no width. I don't like, I don't know, a millimeter. What is the smallest measurement? And I was like, that's alive. That is moving. Like that is a bug, a creature that is something. And it was like a picture, the tiniest, skinniest worm, but a worm that looks like a twig, but smaller than a twig. But it had a web, like a string of web coming out of, I guess you assume it's butt or maybe it's mouth. I couldn't tell top from bottom. It was going up to the tree and this little bug just kind of inched its way down where like it literally looked like it was inching, but like went down, touched the grass, was like on a leaf of grass and then like literally went all, we watched this bug for quite a while, <laughs> went all the way back up to the branch and the web was just kind of like piled around it. Yeah, it that's a great description. I think you described it uh, perfectly. It really was, it looks like a tiny little stick, but not in the way that like a stick bug looks. Yeah, it not it like was that. very different from a stick bug, but it did look like a tiny little stick. It had a web coming out of it. It lowered itself down and then raised itself back up on the web. But, like, where did the web go? Was it going back inside of the bug? It didn't I don't appear to be. Know. I don't know what it was doing. Um, it just was very strange, and we tried to look it up afterwards, couldn't find out what it was. It. I just want to be clear, it was not, like, a centipede, it wasn't a caterpillar, it no. wasn't any of those things. It was very different. And I've never seen something like it before and haven't figured out what it is. Yeah, we were like pretty convinced that it was new. Like we were like, this is a new type of bug. No one's ever seen this before. We've discovered it. Um we called it a worm spider. Is what that's right. We decided that's right. to name it. That is right. And on that day in that park, I was talking to Alana. Guess what, you guys, about the X Files? Uh, Alana had not seen it. And there was also a moment that day where we were in the woods. Uh, I mean, it was just like some woods next to this park. And there was what I could only describe as an incredibly large nest on the ground. It was maybe like just a giant pile of twigs, but it seemed to be in a, the shape of a nest. Uh -huh. And so we came up with a whole lot of theories about what spooky things were going on there. And then when we got home or maybe the next day, Alana photoshopped what is now known as our cover photo mm -hmm. for this yes. very pod because we were talking about how you were going to write a spec script of the x-files yes. about the worm spider and so i mocked that up uh and that is now our cover art which who would have guessed i mean me i planned it all i planted the worm spider i came early and i made that nest um, great job. You did a really thank great you. job. Yeah, I set I, it all up. <laughs> I think it's likely that that is why I started watching the X-Files because we talked about it so much that day. And also then I spent so much time photoshopping a picture of Mulder and yeah. Smelly afterwards that it was like, well, I guess I just have to watch it now. It was like that combined with me telling you about the Jersey Devil episode. And those were like really just like the two pieces of information that you needed to embark on this journey. Exactly. And the rest is history. And now here we are. Episode 20. <laughs> Talking about a bug episode. Everyone's like, well, you guys just fucking talk about the episode. We don't care no. about your worm spiders. <laughs> if you had seen it, 
you would understand. <laughs> we don't know what type of bug that was, and we don't know what bugs are in this episode. No. Uh, I'm glad to report that they don't look the same, so that's at least no. a little bit of relief. The ones in this episode are, are um, bioluminescent, a little bit like a firefly, and... I think they did that mostly for the effect. <laughs> yeah, because they are like neon green. And when I watched this episode, when I read what the description was and was watching this episode, I was afraid that I was going to be grossed out by this episode. But the effects are pretty not great. And mm, they also mm-hmm. show the bugs close up very few times. And even then, they seem not that real. So <laughs> that was a positive thing for this episode for me, which was that it was all about bugs, but I didn't feel grossed out watching it. Yeah, it was it was more of like the threat of the presence of the bugs. Like if you saw them, they were just a swarm, and then it was a swarm of light pretty much. Um, I guess that's all I had to say on that. <laughs> <laughs> I thought that more Great. was going to come out. <laughs> no, I think that was enough. Thank you, uh, yeah. But Mulder hears about this case because these loggers disappear. They uh, never show back up um, to wherever they were supposed to go after they were done logging. So that gets filed with the FBI, and Mulder sees this and realizes that the same thing happened. Uh, People disappeared in these same woods many years ago, like 100 Mm -hmm. years ago or something like that. And initially... Uh, Mulder and Scully consider the idea and the local police think that uh, eco-terrorists have killed the loggers, which Mm -hmm. I just want to say they only (laughs) call attention to two eco-terrorists and I just don't understand why they think two men killed 30 loggers. Yeah. Also, like, what an extreme thing for someone to do. Like, in general, I think the fact that they think that these people were, like, so upset over the trees that they just, like, murdered 30 men is, like, a bit absurd. Yeah. And what we learn is that the eco-terrorists are doing things like um, putting spikes down on the road so that tires get messed up. They put mm-hmm. rice in... Uh, car ignition which is kind of funny um they haven't done anything violent up until this point but they think they suddenly killed 30 men yeah yeah they're like well they're trying to stop us from going there and obviously you know what their next step is gonna be just cold-blooded mass murder (laughs) yeah when Mulder and Scully show up uh to this forest I was immediately very excited by Scully's outfit because she's wearing an extremely 90s windbreaker that is Mm -hmm. like, it's kind of like a periwinkle blue along with a neon pink and green, which is just incredible. It's so, I like want it. Like if, if I can find, I think I would probably find that at a thrift store. I bet you anything, but it is an incredible jacket. I was like, (gasps) I would definitely, I would definitely wear that. I wish that I, I guess I do have a neon pink windbreaker, but hers Mm. is like multiple colors. That's just, it's so perfect. Yeah. And it had like that classic kind of like nineties, like waist cinching, but like really low. It's like not the actual waist. It's more like a hip cinch. Uh, I mean, just flawless. Perfect. Costume designers. I hope they want an Emmy for this episode. Me too, because I was also going to say, and maybe you also took note of this, because on a previous episode, you noted how Scully's wardrobe maybe looked made her look a bit like a lesbian. Mm-hmm. I think that maybe happens again in this episode. For a yeah. long time, she's wearing a big uh, denim shirt with a vest mm. over it, which mm-hmm. is just great, great style. Yeah, like, I don't know if it's, like, casual Scully or, like, casual Scully when she's in the cold because they appear to be in a cold environment here. They're in Washington State, I believe, and then 
in the previous episode. It was like they were in Alaska, and it's just like, I don't know. Suddenly, Skelly's in a different environment, and she's like, I think I'm gay here. (laughs) (laughs) Well, not to leave him out, but I did also note that I really liked Mulder's mock turtleneck that he wears most of the Mm. episode. Mm Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't know. I don't even, it's, it's, you know, very subtle, but it's very nice. Sure. Yeah. I, um, I didn't write many notes about <laughs> Mulder's fashion in this one. I guess I was distracted by lesbian Scully, which I mean, who wasn't? Sure. Much more uh, noteworthy because Mulder also wears the same outfit, I think for the entire episode. Yeah. I think like the, uh, most important note I have on Mulder from this episode is when so they uh, go to Washington State and meet up with like the local law enforcement and a park ranger and try to get uh, up to the site where these loggers would have stayed get to their cabin after they like hiked because they drove over a spike obviously but prior to them doing that they were like it's a four hour drive and I was like how far did they get before they hit a spike that they just decided to walk? I would hope it was relatively close, but they get to the cabin and Mulder just like, I think instantly finds like a bag of weed. Did you pick up on this? Did you, did you notice this? I don't remember this. So maybe I was like not looking at the screen when this happened. Yeah. He like, Finds like they don't show like a much of a close up, but like one can assume because he finds like a little bag, like a Ziploc, and seems like pretty excited about it. And then he, I think he says something like, "Oh, nice," and then like opens the bag and like smells it, and then like closes it up and uh, says to someone else, uh, "I think like maybe the park ranger says something about how the place is a mess," and they're like, "Well, he they left party favors." I was like, what is going on here? <laughs> like, uh, that's funny. I totally missed that. He was also, very excited. <laughs> well, that reminds me of one of the first episodes that we watched uh, yeah. where they had Seth Green and the stoners helping them. And Mulder was very excited about the possibility of Scully being high. So maybe that's what he was thinking about when he found that weed. Yeah, because in that episode, he was like, thought because she I think she says something like you know if I was high I would also like think that it was a UFO or like something like that and you know at any moment I assume he's like getting Scully high means Scully believes in aliens so I will do whatever I can and then boom weed has fallen into his lap um there was a scene later in it in this episode where um they're all sitting around like, hoping the light doesn't go out. We'll come back to this. But I was like, they all look high. Like, they're all just tired. But I was like, they look pretty stoned here. But that's maybe just because I had seen the... Well, Scully does have kind of a paranoid freak out. uh, Yeah. During that time. So maybe she was. And They were uh, like, this will kill some time. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Um, She does in that scene. Because... And so jumping ahead to, to the scene where Mulder and Scully and the cop are um, trying to avoid the bugs who are scared of light, but they're like generators running out and blah, blah, blah. Uh, <laughs> Scully starts to see the bugs coming in and then she thinks that they're on her and she starts like freaking out trying to get them off her, but nobody else is having this experience. And it really seems like she's kind of having a nervous breakdown, which maybe she is, yeah. or maybe the bugs were really there. I, it was unclear to me, but it, it did seem to be like they hadn't really gone into them being mentally affected by what was happening, but it, it does seem like Scully kind of has a bit of a break yeah. there. Scully, I think definitely has a little bit of a breakdown there, but Mulder does say in that moment that like he thinks that they are all over everything but it's like it they doesn't they have to swarm in order 
to kill, I guess, but he thinks in, I don't know, he says he thinks that they're solid everything. Because at one point he touches something that's like covered in goo and he's like, why is there goo here? Uh, and he thinks that it's from the bugs and that that doesn't necessarily mean they're all over Scully, but he thinks that they're kind of like surrounded and it's the light that keeps them from swarming. Um, I guess we should also maybe explain what these bugs are. <laughs> So I don't know if I can explain really what these bugs are, but what we learn is that the loggers had cut down a very old tree, like 500 plus year tree that they weren't supposed to cut down. That was marked to not cut down. And in this tree is a ring of goo that contains these tiny little bugs. And basically... I think the idea is that when they cut down this tree, they release these very, very old bugs who are mm-hmm. carnivorous and hungry. Yeah. I think you did a great job explaining that. I think, like, that covered all the elements. I think you did it better than I could have. Uh, <laughs> but I later, think it covers, it covers the why of the, like, why the bugs are showing sure. up. But I don't know that it covers the what of what the bugs actually are. Well, I guess they don't necessarily know what the bugs are. Though I guess later Mulder has, like, more of, like, builds on this theory that, like, because they're in Washington, like, uh, I think it was Mount St. Helens, the volcano erupted, like, however many hundreds thousands of years ago and that after that there was a lot of like radioactivity and there's apparently a lake nearby that has like a brain sucking amoeba in it and scully is like yeah a brain sucking amoeba which i thought was pretty funny but then um the other guy who's there an eco-terrorist he's like no it's real they have like evidence of it um but he thinks that these were like ancient insect eggs that were came up through the uh roots of the tree from this uh radioactivity after the volcanic eruption and have just been like lying dormant there and now are hatching because they cut down a tree that they weren't supposed to you know we see this again and again with the x files and by again and again i mean uh maybe twice which is that when people mess with very old uh, ecological things, bad mm-hmm. things happen. It happened in ice when they were digging into very old, yep. deep ice. Uh, and it's happening again when the loggers are cutting down a very old tree. So I'll just say that this episode takes another political stance, which is that deforestation kills and deforestation <laughs> is bad. And also... Uh, kind of separate from that, I'll also say that I liked the eco-terrorist, and I... Oh, yeah. I thought that he was great. Yeah, I mean, I don't know if they were supposed to, like, be, seem like enemies to us as the audience watching, but I was like, uh, this guy's great, fuck that cop, like, the, I don't know, the sheriff or whoever that was with them, like, not the park ranger, he was okay, you know, he clearly cared about the parks, um, but the sheriff was like such a dick the whole time, especially to the eco terrorist, which I feel like we shouldn't call him that. Uh, <laughs> well, that's what they call him, but his name yeah. is Doug. It's Doug. Yeah. Interesting. Doug Spinney. And oh, about, yeah. the, about the sheriff who, I guess I wasn't sure if that was a sheriff because he kept referring to the loggers as his men so i thought he oh, was like in charge you're right the i think he's he said he's like head of safety and protection for that company he was not the sheriff uh there was no sheriff there right <laughs> there's a park ranger and like That's the head right. of this company it seems like a weird group to accompany the fbi but yeah But there is a scene where, like, this um, head of the logging company is very resistant to the idea that, like, something in nature is killing people, and he really thinks it's the eco-terrorists. And he, uh, Doug Spinney, is trying to explain to him that these bugs are scared of light, and if he goes out in the dark, he'll Mm -hmm. get killed. And he starts yelling, like, oh, so if I walk outside right now, what, a bug's going to eat me? 
And then mm-hmm. he walks outside, and I feel like they just missed a perfect opportunity to have him die immediately. Because if he would have said, like, what am I going to die? And then immediately yeah. die, that would have been so funny. <laughs> I fully agree with you. I think maybe they were trying to take the uh, not humorous route. <laughs> uh, but I think that that was a mistake in this case. Yeah, he dies later in the car. And I was kind of mad about that because the bugs swarm the car. And he has the car turned on. But he doesn't turn on the headlights or the interior lights. And I just mm-hmm. feel like had he done that, he maybe could have survived if they're scared of light. Yeah, so I thought the same thing. But then at the end of the episode or towards the end when Mulder and Scully and the park ranger and Spinny comes back and they're driving away and he runs over one of his own spikes, you know, uh, quite an incident there and goes outside with like the headlights on to like see if it's like repairable and then they come and swarm him and I was like well he's standing in the headlight light like what is the truth here what is the truth it doesn't make any sense I was also mad about that because it's like Doug Spinney who I thought was pretty cool got the ironic death that the head of security for the logging company should have gotten like he runs over his own spike and then he dies going out to check on it and i didn't want him to die like that i i think it's not right no i don't think he should have died at all agreed personally i think that that's very upsetting because he he saves Mulder and scully and this park ranger um And to talk about that a bit, like this whole time, Mulder seems kind of on his side. Uh, He doesn't Mm -hmm. think that he ever, he never thinks that Doug is the murderer. Um, The head of security is saying Doug should be arrested and Mulder's like, no. But then uh, Doug Spinney, I think he tries to steal their car, the, the last car that they have, and take the last amount of gas that they have to go save his friends. Uh, I don't know if I should call them eco-terrorists, but that, that's what we're told <laughs> yes. that they are, to go save them because they were um, surviving on a generator that was about to run out of gas. And Mulder initially pulls a gun on him, but ends up letting him go. And then the park ranger and Scully are very angry at him because they're like, he's not going to come back for us. He just like Mm -hmm. killed us. But Mulder has faith in him. Mulder believes in him. And I think it's really sweet that he let Doug Spinney go. I agree with you. And I mean, I didn't think, I don't think at any point I felt like Doug Spinney was guilty of anything but trying to save the trees. So I was like, yeah, of course he's going to let him go. Like, of all the people here, I think he's probably one of the more trustworthy ones. Um, I get, you know, kind of why Scully and this guy were upset, just because Mulder didn't realize that, like, their generator was also almost out of gas and that there was no other gas. And he made a decision for the group without the group, um, as Scully puts it. But, I mean, I think that he still made the right choice. And he was right. He was going to come back and save them. And he did. And gave his own life doing it. So. True. Yeah. He didn't, I, he didn't intend to give his own life. It just no, happened, he unfortunately. No, he did not. Um, but I, is, is very mad at Mulder at, the, at like, part mm-hmm. of this episode. But she just, in general, as we were saying, seems, like, extremely stressed. Like, more stressed than we normally see her. There's a part where... They were waiting for the generator to die. They're just kind of sitting there. And this is after Scully has had her breakdown about bugs being over her. Um, And she just looks so stressed and so upset. And Mulder asks her how she's doing. And she says, I'm okay. But her face is just totally like, I'm about to die. She seems really not well. I think that she, I think there's part of her that's like kind of pissed that they're even here because... 
you know, Mulder was like, yeah, it's just going to be like a nice weekend in the woods as like kind of a way to get her to go because she didn't really see like why this would be um, a case that they would go on. Even at the beginning when he's like telling her about it, she kind of like makes a joke about who killed the law. And she's like, oh, so like you think it's Bigfoot? Like why would we be the ones to go on this case? And I think she's, I don't know. I think she's kind of pissed and I think she's genuinely scared uh, but I also want to bring up a moment that I hope you enjoyed because I know I enjoyed it, but maybe I read it differently where when she and Mulder are first arguing about the generator a little bit, uh, but they're just like, you know, kind of like, well, this is the situation we're in. So like, we just kind of have to deal with it now. Scully yells something at him and then, or like, you know, she's like, well, we can't change it now, Mulder, because she's pissed that he did this. And he just looks at her and he's like, you're right. And we're wasting time arguing about it. And it just like, I so want them to kiss at that moment. Like, I just think that it just is really uh, sexually charged. And like, they both think they're my like they might die tonight and so like why are we wasting time arguing about like who did what and what happened when like we could have sex here in this cabin and everything would be uh just so much better i didn't read it that way and i i don't think that's what Mulder was talking about no he wasn't clearly i <laughs> but <laughs> i think that your version of things would be much better and i did in that scene think that um I mean I just like noticed like Mulder was touching Scully a lot would like touch her mm-hmm. shoulder and touch her arm try to like comfort her as he was talking to her uh so I did pick up on that and I I as with everything that they do yes there was a lot of sexual tension especially when they yell at each other yeah it's like it's very charged but um yeah and you're like you're right he's constantly comforting her and there's I think it's the same thing you referenced where, like, after the freakout when they're just, like, sitting and talking. Like, they are sitting, like, shoulder to shoulder, like, shoulders overlapping so close to each other. And then the park ranger is, like, across the room. <laughs> yeah, I didn't even know where the park ranger was. I was like, oh, they're just alone? Like, they decided to uh, <laughs> like, go, sit. go hang out alone? Yeah, they needed just some time to themselves. But speaking about Scully being upset – this brings me back to something at the very beginning of the episode that I I don't want to overlook, which is that as soon as they get to uh, the woods and the cabin, they start walking around and they see a cocoon up in a tree and they're like, what is that? And then they like put Scully in this like makeshift kind of, I don't even know what to say, a sling or something. She's like sitting in like, it's a rope that's tied around her as a chair and they pull her up into the tree, and she looks so upset. Like, she is not happy about it. And also, she shouldn't be, because they're literally raising her into a tree to cut into a huge cocoon of which they don't know what's inside. Yeah, I'd be like, absolutely not, and I quit, actually. I will not be doing this. It's absurd. And then, I mean, just that in itself is so upsetting. And then to have to, like, she doesn't even start cutting it yet. And she just, like, sees a human hand, and she's like, I, this is, you know, this is too much. I cannot, I, I shouldn't be here, I assume is what she was thinking. She's like, I could have been a medical doctor. Why am I here? I could be in a hospital right now, like. <laughs> yeah, that's definitely what she's thinking, and you can see it in her face. Like, she is so over it. And I guess that that kind of brings me to the end of the episode. Mm-hmm. Um, if you're ready to talk about what happens at the end of the episode. I'm ready. Well, so at the end of the episode, as we've already said, Doug Spinney dies. Uh, they mm-hmm. run over a spike. They get a flat tire. And Mulder and Scully and the park ranger are in the car. And they literally get swarmed by the bugs. Like, mm-hmm. fully swarmed by the bugs. To the point where I was like, I know they're not going to die, but I don't understand how they get out of <laughs> how this. How are they going to do this? And then they're found, and they are partially cocooned. And I guess, like, 
I guess what this is saying is that like the death by these bugs takes a long time. It takes like hours and hours for the bugs to drain them because they survive even though they've been cocooned and have lost Mm -hmm. a lot of fluids. And then they end up like in a quarantine facility. uh, And Scully is not doing great. Like she's like not out of the woods at the time that we see them. And I was really just thinking when I saw this, like, this is the most traumatizing thing that could ever happen. Like, you literally got cocooned by a bunch of bugs and almost died being put in a a human-sized cocoon. Like, how do you process that? How do you come back from that? How do you ever feel safe again? I don't think that I would. And like you said earlier to, you know, Scully being like, I want to quit. Like, I... I would definitely quit my job if this happened yeah. to me on <laughs> Yeah, I think that's completely fair. It is like, I don't know. I don't think you you do come back from that. I will say I was watching it um, with my mom and, you know, Scully's like there like in a coma and they like kind of end the episode like up in the air. Like, I, I mean, obviously, you know, Scully's like not going to die, but like my mom was like, is there a part two? And I was like, Mom, you know that this show just, like, will move on and never even mention again that they were, like, in cocoons, like. I thought the same thing as your mom. I didn't think there was, like, a a part two, but I was, like, I know for sure that in the next episode they're not going to mention this and they're just going to go on as if life is normal. Whereas if this happened to a person, like, your life would never be normal again. No, it would not. I mean, first of all, you'd quit your job. 100%. You'd need, I mean, I think endless therapy. I don't even, you'd just be, I I would be like, I'm actually no longer a functioning member of society because earlier I was wrapped in a cocoon by thousands of tiny insects. So you understand. Yeah. You can never explain it to anybody. Nobody would believe you. No. And also- where would you go to feel safe? Like, I think like generally people might like want to move out into the middle of nowhere to feel safe, but that's literally no. where this happened. You so, would move to the center of a city. But even there, <laughs> I don't think I would feel safe because bugs could be anywhere. Well, that's true. And I mean, I'll also say they say in this episode, like Mulder's talking to I assume a doctor or a scientist at this like containment facility that they're taken to at the end. And, you know, Mulder's like, well, like, do you guys have it under control? Uh, and the guy's kind of like saying yes, but Mulder's like, what if it migrates? Like, what if you don't have them? And like this thing moves and it just like comes and this just like starts happening to people. Um, and I love the guy says, he's like, he says, like, the government is handling it, something, something. And Mulder's like, well, what if they don't? And he goes, that's not an option, Mr. Mulder, and just, like, walks out. And I'm like, okay. And then I thought, what if what if that's what was happening this year instead of coronavirus? And <laughs> I don't know if that was a fun or scary thought, but maybe a little bit of both. But, like, just imagine if, like, that was the reality that was, like, going on right now. We're just like – Oh my God! Yeah, no, my cousin was wrapped in a cocoon. <laughs> like it's not funny, uh, that would but be... it's, it's kind of is. Oh, that would be so awful. And also, if a bunch of murderous bugs was what our government in 2020 needed to contain, we would definitely all be dead right now. Oh, a hundred percent. There'd be just no chance of containment. Like, I think I would have probably pretty early on just walked outside and been like, this is it for me. I'm just going to go now. I'm not going to watch this happen. Yeah, definitely. But I, I, I just can't – I really can't overstate how insane I thought the end of this episode was. <laughs> like, first of all, that they get swarmed in, in their car and are literally cocooned. But then they cut to this quarantine tent, which is, like, literally a tent with people in hazmat suits. Everything's, like, white – uh, it's it's very like a makeshift quarantine tent. And then Mulder walks out and I I literally, I, like it, it 
stopped me in my tracks when Mulder walks out in this quarantine tent because he's just like in all white he's wearing like this white cap on his head that's just like over his hair he's just like moving very slowly he's covered in um like bug bites and stuff and he just looks so insane and so pathetic and I was just shocked that all of this had happened at the end of this episode yeah, it seems like the physical effects of this event would, like, probably be an issue for years to come. Like, I, you don't get cocooned and then are just, like, walk around fine after a little while. Like, I feel like there's got to be some lingering, you know, health side effects going on here. Totally. I mean, the bugs but, were sucking the life out of them. Quite literally. But this is a fiction show, so I guess there are no repercussions. Uh, and there's no follow-ups. Uh-uh. Except, I don't know if you saw the name of the next episode. I did. But it appears we might be having a follow-up from, like, 20 episodes ago. Our fave guy, Tombs. Tombs. Tombs, episode 21. Tombs appears to be back. Yeah, I'm excited to see what him coming back means. I feel like there have been several episodes this season where the murderer or whatever, the creature, whatever, uh, is it's left open-ended. They're left alive, so it's open for them to come back. So I don't know how often this is going to happen, but uh, pretty curious what's going to happen with uh, Mr. Toombs next week. Well, as we always like to say here on Leon Alana Watch the X-Files, uh, if there are any aliens listening, please come get us. We're scared. Woo!